Uh, John chapter 8 is where we are this morning. John chapter 8. We're actually going to pick up in verse 31. And if you're following along, you'll realize that last week, Pastor Brian was here and finished. It was in chapter 7. So you may wonder why we're starting in verse 31. We're not skipping uh, the whole beginning of chapter 8. Uh, When we started the series, uh, we actually covered uh, the first part of chapter 8 in our message on grace and truth, and we uh, talked about the story of the woman caught in adultery that starts chapter 8. And then the next part in chapter 8 is Jesus' statement, I am the light of the world, which he makes again uh, later uh, in the gospel, and we're going to come to that, I am the light of the world, and cover that statement all together a little later when we come to that message. So we're picking up in verse 31 today, and I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you the whole message in one sentence. So if you want to write this down, uh, here's the whole message in one sentence. If you got it and you understand it, you can just grab it and go home, and you're done. Here's the entire message of of what we're going to cover today in one sentence. A delusion revealed by a denial and dismissal resolved by becoming a disciple. So just write that down. That's good. You feel blessed. Yeah, you feel filled. You can go home. That's the message. A delusion revealed by a denial and a dismissal resolved by becoming a disciple. And so that's what we're going to talk about today, a delusion revealed by a denial and a dismissal resolved by becoming a disciple. If you don't know what that means, then stick around, and I hope to tell you what that means. And here's the question I want you to consider as I'm speaking today. What are you denying? What are you denying? And so just keep that question tucked in the back of your mind as we go through this, and we're going to talk about this. I want to talk about this first part, which is a delusion. And when we talk about a delusion, uh, I want to look at it this way, something that is, uh, that is called something but does not that way in reality, is not that way in reality. So something that may have a name, uh, something that may look one way, but it is not actually that way in reality. Uh, Something like a pair of sneakers, where uh, I didn't know this, but apparently there's a huge uh, sneaker knockoff market and uh, uh, hundreds of millions of dollars every year in companies that produce knockoffs. Makes me wonder if sometimes I bought sneakers that were not actually the authentic sneakers because I can't tell the difference between that real Nike on the left and the fake one on the right. Um, but this is a, uh, and there are companies that do this and it's a huge industry. It happens with, uh, women's handbags too, right? Purses, right? You can get, you can get the real Louis Vuitton or you can go to Canal Street in New York and get, uh, something that looks like a real Louis Vuitton. Um, and there's this huge industry for this. Um, but it doesn't just happen with products, right? It happens with people at times too, uh, that we... Uh, in reality, sometimes people will pass themselves off as something they're not. And we've all heard stories from people who have applied to jobs. And sometimes it doesn't come out till years later that they doctored their resume. And that, you know, uh, they, they put something on there, a school they attended, or they took a class but didn't actually graduate. Or, you know, they got some training but didn't actually get the certification. Uh, and they pass themselves off in some way that they're not, and it comes out later. And uh, what's interesting is sometimes the person themselves have come to believe that this was actually true about themselves. And thus, uh, they are deluded. Um, And it comes on. Uh, You know, I I think probably the best example sometimes happens when we're kids. 
And uh, when you're a kid and maybe you're in your backyard, and I don't know what you pretended, uh, maybe you pretended you were, you know, a pitcher for the Boston Red Sox uh, or, uh, or, or some other team and you were on the hill for the deciding game of the World Series and, and you were pitching that last batter and you just thought about that or maybe you thought you were, you were the hitter in your mind and, and you were acting that out or maybe it's a superhero. Maybe it's not sports. Maybe sports isn't your thing. And maybe you thought you were a superhero fighting crime. And that's fine, right? There's nothing wrong with that. Unless you go out and really try and fight crime um, and think that you can do that. Or you get on the roof of your shed with your cape and your tights. And you make a jump and a leap. And then you end up not flying but in the emergency room. And you find out that you were a bit deluded in what you thought. Reality didn't match up with what was being named. And it happens in life sometimes and it happens with people. This morning, I want to discuss some people who thought they were something, but they were not. Some people who were delusional, who were deluded into thinking they were something that they actually were not. And look at how sometimes maybe we could also be in the same situation there. It's John chapter 8, verse 31. Let me start by reading the first couple verses there. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So the way it starts off, it starts off and you say, okay, Jesus is talking to some people who believed him. So now we're going to hear Jesus teaching some people who believed in, who believed what he was saying and who believed in him. And you think you have some idea of maybe what he's going to say because these are believers. But here's what we find out very quickly is there is a bit of a delusion that's going on Because very quickly, Jesus points out that these people who think they are believers really are not believers. In fact, Jesus has some hard words that he says to them. He says to them these statements in verse 32. Um, You have those next slides, John? In verse 30, we're going to skip past that one. There it is. Uh, Sorry, next one. There we go. 34. 34. 34, he calls these people who were previously called believers in him, he calls them a slave to sin. Okay? The next passage in verse 37, chapter 8, verse 37, he says, my words find no place in you. In verse 44, he says, you are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. And then in verse 55, he says, I would be a liar like you. And then in verse 59, it says, so they picked up stones to throw at him. These are from people who are described as believers. So when is a believer not a believer? Because I think when you and I, if I were going to ask you before I started this message, what is a believer in Jesus Christ? one of the characteristics you would say, you wouldn't say is someone who picks up stones to throw at Jesus. That's not a believer, right? Someone who's a believer in Jesus, you wouldn't say someone who Jesus would call a liar and whose father is the devil. 
We wouldn't describe a believer that way. So when is a believer not a believer? These people were obviously in some way deluded into thinking they were believers. And Jesus says, there's something else going on here. You're not really believers. You think you are, but you're not. In fact, in the Gospel of John, we find people who are followers, a lot of people who are followers, but very few who are believers in the way that you and I would probably define that. And I think the same thing might happen with us today. That we might, at times, consider ourselves believers, but ask the question, why do you consider yourself a believer and are you? Maybe you say, well, I'm sitting in church on a summer morning in June. Why would I be here if I didn't believe? Or maybe you would say, you know, I... I, uh, I try and live an upright moral life, try and keep the Ten Commandments, be good, try and do well, try and live an ethical, moral life. Why would I do that if I was not a believer? Or you would say maybe, I give of my time, talent, and my treasure. I'm generous to people in need. Why would I do that if I'm not a believer? Or I read my Bible, I go to church, I listen to Christian music, I listen to preachers, I, I, I do all these things. Why would I do that if I wasn't a believer, and yet I would say that a person could do all of those things and still perhaps not be a believer. When is a believer not a believer? You could carry out all those things in your life and still not be a believer. So when is a believer not a believer? Well, it's revealed two things by denial and dismissal. And the denial involves who you are, who I am, and the dismissal involves who God is. Let's go with denial first. Denial. Jesus says to these uh, people who are thinking themselves believers, uh, right uh, in the beginning, he, I, which I read, he said, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. We don't have a problem with that, right? I mean, he says, if you're my disciples, you're going to abide in my word. I mean, any teacher, rabbi would say that to their students. I mean, if you're going to be my disciples, you've got to pay attention to what I teach. You've got to abide by it. You've got to go by it. You've got, you got to live by it completely. We don't have a problem with that. They don't have a problem with that. And then he says this, and you will know the truth. Anyone got a problem with knowing that? No one's got a problem with that, right? You're going to be his disciples. You're going to know the truth. Uh, and you're going, to, you're going to know the truth. You're going to embrace it. No problem. We don't have a problem with that. They didn't have a problem with that. And then he says this, and the truth will set you free. Anyone have a problem with being set free? They had a problem with being set free. All right? So listen to the next words that, you, that they say to Jesus. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I've seen with my father and you do not. You do what you have heard from your father. Let me unpack that a little for you. Let me let you know what's going on here. Here's what's going on. Jesus says, 
If you will be my disciples, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. As soon as he says that, what they hear is you think we're slaves. You think there's something that we need to be set free from. And they say, we are children of Abraham. We have never been enslaved to anyone. Now, if you know a little history of the Jewish people, <clears throat> you are saying, what are you talking about? Most of your history, you're enslaved to someone. 400 years in Egypt, Babylon, Persia, they're currently in the time of Jesus under the oppression of the Roman government. How can you say we've never been enslaved? So are they just like having amnesia? Are they after, Do they forget all this? Let's assume not. I, I, I think let's give more credit than that, right? They understand that there have been times they have been in physical slavery. In fact, they're just coming out of the Passover feast, which recognizes they were in slavery in Egypt and God brought them out. So let's, let's say they understand it's not physical slavery. What they're saying is this. Even when we were physically under someone else's governmental rule, we were never slaves in our spirit. We were always children of God. And that's really what they're saying. Because Jesus, by calling someone a slave, really is calling into question their inheritance and the basis of their inheritance. A slave doesn't inherit anything from the household they're serving in. Only sons inherited things in the household they were serving in. So if Jesus is saying, you need to be set free from something and you're a slave, what he's basically saying is, you're not a true son of God. You're not true children of God. And they're calling all of that into question. They're saying, we are children of Abraham. You can't call us. You can't call our inheritance into question. And what Jesus is saying is that's not enough. That's not enough that you would call yourself a child of Abraham because you are a slave and you don't even realize it. And it's not about physical oppression of the Romans, but it's about a spiritual slavery that you're not admitting. And he says, anyone who is a slave to sin is enslaved. Anyone who sins is a slave to sin. He says, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. He's saying, you have something you need to be set free of and you don't even know it. And the way Jesus is revealing that they were delusional about being believers is the fact that they are denying the fact that they are enslaved to sin and need to be set free from it. The truth is sometimes things can have control over us and we don't even realize it. Let me give you an example. Take this out of your pocket. Those of you that have it, those, even those of you that have to flip it open, take it out of your pocket. <clears throat> you got your Windows, you got your Apple, I don't know, Windows still make phones. You got your Android, you got your, take it out of your pocket. <clears throat> I don't know what kind of phone you have. Show me the screen, show me the screen, move it around a little, I can see they're all on, right? Yeah. I don't know what kind of phone you have, but here's what I want you to do. I know that phone somewhere has a button on it. You may not know it. I promise you it's there. It's called the power button. You didn't even know your phone had one. It has one. All right. Now I want you to take that power button and I want you to hold it down. And if you got one of those iPhones, then swipe 
when it says off, turn it off, shut it down. Some of your phones are like, what are you doing? You've never done this to me before. <laughs> shut that off. Now wait. How do you feel? What if somebody's trying to reach you right now? Somebody's texting you something really important that you're missing right now. Something happened and you missed it. You can't find out what your friend is having for lunch right now on Facebook. We have these devices and we think they give us a lot of freedom. And I don't have to be attached to the wall. I don't even have to be attached to a building anymore. You know, I can get all my contacts. I can talk to anyone around the world, anywhere I'm at, anytime. I can, you know, get my news. I can get, you know, my contacts, my email, whatever. I can get all kinds. Freedom, right? Then why are you feeling what you're feeling right now <laughs> if you're so free? If you're so free, why does it bother you when you leave it at home? If you're so free, why does it bother you so much when you can't find it? If you're so free, why are we looking at it hundreds and hundreds of times during the day? Has things changed that much? The truth is, sometimes things have control over us much more than we realize. And Jesus is saying, if you sin you're a slave to sin. And you say, well, no, I'm not. I'm not a slave to sin. Maybe you're sitting here and say, no, no, I'm not. I'm not a slave. I mean, yeah, I sin, but I'm not a slave to sin. Okay. All right. Then here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do. This is very simple. You, this is your assignment. You're that's sitting here that says, I'm not a slave to sin. Very simple assignment. It is 1207 right now. Between now and the time you go to bed tonight, I want you not to sin. No sinning, not in your action, not in your words, and not in your thoughts. Because that's the standard. No sin, between now and time, if, you, if you're not a slave to sin, then you should be able to at least for 10 hours not sin. We can't, but we think we're so free. But we think we're so free. Jesus is saying, the time when a believer is not a believer is when you deny the fact that you have something you need to be set free from. That you deny that you are a sinner who needs someone to set you free from that sin. Can't do it on my own. I can't go the next, I can't go the next two hours. I'm a slave to it. Now, who's going to set me free? Christ said, if you will put your hope and your trust in me, then you can be, have freedom. If you know the truth, the truth will set you free. So he shows that they were delusional by the fact that they were denying him. But one other thing. He shows that they were delusional by the dismissal. The dismissal. In uh, the last part of this chapter, Jesus makes... What sounds like poor grammar, but is actually really powerful theology. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. 
Because previous to this, Jesus had talked about that Abraham looked forward to seeing my day, and they said, how did, how did Abraham see you? You're, you're, we know how old you are. How could, you, how could Abraham possibly see you? And then he makes this statement. Before Abraham was, I am. And you hear that, and you think, okay, well, I don't know what, that doesn't sound right. Something doesn't sound right about it. I don't know why that's such a big deal. Here's why it's such a big deal. Because when God revealed his name to his people in the Old Testament, he used a very particular word. And if you've been at Mount Hope, you've heard us sing it once in a while in songs. He used the word Yahweh. That's what he used for his personal name of himself. He used the word Yahweh. It's very reverenced. It's very, you know, the the Jewish people won't even speak that word out loud because they want to hold that name in, in a sacred space and not take it in vain. He used the word Yahweh. Yahweh, when it's translated, actually means I am. And so when Jesus says, and they ask him, hey, how do you, how do, what do you know about Abraham? How do you know Abraham? How did Abraham see you? He says, before Abraham was, before Abraham ever existed, before Abraham was ever born, before Abraham did anything God had ever called him, I am. And by using those exact words, he was saying, I am God. I was there way before him. I was there in the beginning and I'll be there in the end. I am God. And they knew exactly what he was saying because in the next verse it says this, so they picked up stones to throw at him. Why? Because they dismissed his claim to be God. So in these two things he reveals that they were delusional. They denied that they were sinners, the truth about themselves, and they dismissed that Jesus is God, his claim about himself. And in doing that, Jesus is showing that you are not really believers. You're following for some other reason, but you're not following because you're a believer. And it's true. And it's true about us too. That at times we may think we're believers for all kinds of reasons. But ultimately what it comes down to is will you embrace the truth about yourself, which is I am a sinner in need of God's grace, helpless without him. Will you embrace the truth about Jesus, that he is God? Because it's delusion revealed by a denial and a dismissal, but resolved by being a disciple. Let me go to that quote, John, that you have there. That Alistair Begg, a pastor out in Cleveland, Ohio, said this, and I thought fits this passage well. People reject the claims of Christ not because they misunderstand them, but because they understand them too well. The Son is rejected not because the claims are misunderstood, but because the claims are so clearly understood. And it may be that there are people in our world, people that you know, and you say, well, you know, you you don't want to, you don't come to church. Why don't you follow Jesus? And you think, well, you just don't understand. It may not be that at all. And maybe they understand perfectly. But do not want to embrace the fact that I have to admit that I'm a sinner and that Jesus is God. No, thank you. I don't want to look at myself that way, and I don't want to have to put Jesus in that position in my life. 
So thanks, but no thanks. And it may be that that's not that they don't understand. It may be they understand perfectly well, but they're not interested. Resolved. So delusion revealed because of, through denial and dismissal, but resolved by becoming a disciple. Jesus makes a way. We go back to that beginning scripture. If you abide in my word, you truly are my disciples. And you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. And so here's the call. The call is that will you abide in Jesus' word? Will you accept the truth? The truth that I'm enslaved to sin and so are you. And I need to be set free from it. And Jesus is the only one that can set us free. That's the truth. That's the gospel. That's what he offers. So what are you in denial about? Are you in denial that maybe you're a sinner? You know, it's tough for you to admit. Or can you understand you're able to say, God, I am a sinner and I need to be set free from this. Are you in denial that Jesus is God and he has the ability to set you free? Jesus offers hope. But if you will come to him, Abide in his word, that you can have true freedom, true freedom. Sometimes we think we're a believer, but we're not. Here's a story of someone in our church who felt that way. Good morning, Mount Hope. My name is Peter Walden. I was raised as a Catholic. As an adult, I hardly ever went to church. I only asked God for help when I thought I needed help. Rarely did I pray. I've been attending Mount Hope since April of 2017. And being here has changed the way I live, think, and pray. I was baptized as an infant, but recently I've come to put my hope in Christ. Now I'm making the choice to be baptized as an adult, to follow, sorry, to obey Christ's command, as it says in the Bible. I would really like to thank everybody who has welcomed me, who has prayed for, with, and over me. You have no idea how powerful that is. I'd especially like thank Tom and Kelly Fallon. Without their encouragement, I would have never attended Mount Hope. They changed my life. Thank you for listening to my testimony and welcoming me as a church member. Peter, it's, uh, it's been a pleasure just seeing how God has just transformed your life over the last few yes, months. Um, Tom, from the first time you guys invited him to the church till today, it's been a pleasure for us to walk with you. And uh, to see you take this big step, we're glad as a church, as your family, to be able to celebrate it with you. So today, based on your confession of faith, 
that Jesus is your Lord, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And that's what it's about. It's about seeing lives changed and lives touched and understanding and embracing God. But before you get there, you have to embrace this truth. We are sinners. Jesus is God. and He's made a way for us to Him. We talk about freedom. What are you denying? Maybe you came in here and you think, I'm free. I'm, I'm not a slave to anything. If you think that, and there's at least one thing I know that you're going to face one day that you are not free from. Because one day is the last day on this earth for all of us. But Jesus made a way to be free even from the fear of death. Late Wednesday night, early Thursday morning when we were in that hospital room with uh, Kwaku and Rosina and Sam walked in and I um, and they walked in and they knew what was coming and they knew there were only minutes left that they had with their son the words that came out of their mouth were praise to God and the words that came out of their mouth were thank you God Thank you. Thank you for the days you gave us. That you are good. That we love you. And we trust you. I say that not to exploit their moment. I told them I was going to be sharing this this morning. I did it in first service. I say that not to elevate them in their situation. I say that because we need to be reminded that this is the truth that we believe. And the question is, do you believe it or not? Do you believe when God says not to fear him who can destroy the, the body, but, but fear him who can destroy the body and soul and hell? Do you fear, do you believe it or not? Do you believe God can be trusted fully and completely, not only with this life, but with whatever happens after this life? Because that is what freedom is. Because true freedom is not to have to fear that, but to trust God completely in that and through that. That's what I saw in that I saw freedom to be able to trust God. And that's what God offers to us. What are you denying? Because there are people who will watch that moment. And I don't know that there weren't doctors and nurses there who were feeling this. I don't know what they were thinking. There are some people who will watch that moment and watch their words and watch their faith and think that they are denying their pain. And think that they are denying reality. 
But what I would say is what you don't understand is you're denying the reality that God has promised, the reality that's true, that this life is just a short time, but it's not the whole story. It's not even the biggest part of the story. This isn't the most important thing. And people would think that we're denying our feelings, right? It's not. It's we believe so strongly what Jesus has said and the one who is, the tomb is empty and has come back and is resurrected from the dead and has promised it and we believe it. And that's the reality we understand. And that's the freedom that we have from fear and from death. So what do you deny? Do you believe what God says is power in your life? If you've been denying the fact that you are a sinner, then today is the day to know the truth and to allow that truth to set you free. Because Jesus says, if you will come to him and ask his forgiveness, put your faith and your trust in him, not only do you have forgiveness of your sin, but you have assuredness of eternal life with him. And you don't even have to fear death because it becomes a door, a comma and not a period into the presence of God. And if that's where you are today, then I encourage you, let today be the day that you put your hope and your trust in Jesus Christ. That as I pray in a moment, that you would pray and say, God, today, I want to stop denying the fact that I am a slave to sin and I cannot manage my sin anymore in my own strength because I've never been able to really do it anyways. The truth is I'm a slave to sin and I need the Son to set me free and to give me freedom in Him. Lord, as we come to you today, we are a needy bunch, Lord. Father, we are trapped in our sin, Lord. We can't even go a few hours, Lord. And it just shows us and reminds us how much we need you, Lord. We need your forgiveness. We need your grace. We need the strength of your spirit within us. Lord, would you lead us 